0: Reading today is excerpts from Genesis 27 and 28, the story of Isaac and his sons. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called his elder son Esau and said to him, "My son." And Esau answered, "Here I am." He said, "See that I am old. I do not know the day of my of my death. Now then, Take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt for me, and hunt game for me. Then prepare savory food such as I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may bless you before I die. Then Rebecca took the best garments of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. And she put the skins of kids on his hands, on the smooth part of his neck, and she handed the savory food and the bread that she had prepared to Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father, who said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went to his father Isaac, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's. So he blessed him. <clears throat> Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and he stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones from the place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place. He dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth reaching up to heaven And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south and all the families of the earth shall be blessed through you and through your offering, offspring know that i am with you and i will go wherever you go and keep you and i will bring you back to this land for i will not leave you until what i have done is done through you i have i will not leave you until i have done what i have promised to you then jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, this story makes me a little itchy because at my heart, I am a firstborn rule follower. It may surprise some of you who have experienced me differently than that, but let me assure you, while I am certainly willing and even compelled to break rules, that are obviously unjust, I have had to lean into that, and I have to lean into it every single time again and again, because it makes my heart race, it makes my stomach flutter, it makes my armpits sweat. I am, at my heart, instinctually, a first-born rule follower. Now, there are important pieces of this story that are missing from what you just heard. It is a long story. It was still a long story with a lot of those important pieces missing. But one important piece that I am going to mention that was missing from what you heard this morning is, at first blush, this sounds like a story of Isaac and his sons, Jacob and Esau. It's really a story about Rebecca. Rebecca, prior to the story that we heard, this morning, had a difficult pregnancy. It's a whole long story, but we'll just leave it at that for now. She went to God in the midst of that. And the message that she heard back very clearly is that she had two nations in her womb and that the older would serve the younger. This is what Rebecca knew from God. So Rebecca knows that Jacob, the younger, is to receive the inheritance and the blessing in place of Esau, the elder, who will serve his younger brother. She knows all of that going into it. And still, even with that bit of the story named explicitly here, this story still makes me itchy. The conniving plot for that kid brother to steal his elder brother's blessing. Can you tell I have a couple of kid brothers? Amy's question that she shared with you last week in her sermon is my new favorite question. It's my new favorite go-to in encountering these texts that confound me or disturb me or just make me itchy. The Texts that are so far removed from me in time and place and culture, so far removed from me that it's like encountering a stranger, like a foreigner that I do not understand. And they can end up very quickly feeling sort of irrelevant, like it's not worth my time and effort. There's too much distance between time and place and culture to even try to make sense of this. And yet here they are, these stories are here in this collection that we collectively call sacred. We call this our foundational text. And so, here we are again in the Hebrew Bible, the First Testament, thanks to the narrative lectionary, and I do love that I am compelled to engage these very strange and sometimes troubling stories. It's a little bit I've said this before, a little bit like a CSA, you know, you get that box and it's like, what is that thing? Oh, it's a rutabaga. Oh, okay, what do I do with a rutabaga? (laughs) So that's a little bit what it's like with the lectionary. Okay, here we are again in this very ancient text that I do not understand, but I'm going to figure out a recipe for it. So here's the question that Amy shared last week. That is probably you're going to hear it all year because it's going to live in me. It's living in me right now. How was this story liberative to the people who told it? how did this story bring liberation to the people who told it over and over again, passed it down for generations, eventually wrote it down, and claimed it as sacred? When I come to this itchy story with that question, I notice power There's something called the trickster motif appears in lots of cultural cultures across time and place and certainly was a piece of the Hebrew culture that gave us this First Testament. In a trickster motif, the tricksters operate outside of the bounds of official power structures, using their wit to subvert. These trickster stories make great campfire stories. They are interesting, they're like gratifying, they're entertaining. It's this sort of like stick it to the powers that be kind of stories. You can imagine sitting around a fireside and telling this kind of story where the trickster comes in and subverts the powers that be. Well, in our story from this morning, Rebecca is a woman and Jacob is a younger son. Neither had any power. (laughs) Like, no, no power of any kind. There's no fair or rule following way for them to have any kind of agency over their lives, over their futures, over their well-being. Any tactic available to them is out of bounds because the rules have been established by those in power for those in power. And then I go, huh, maybe this is only an itchy story for me if you assume you're the blesser or the one positioned to receive the blessing. What if this story is only itchy if you assume you're the blesser or the one positioned to get the blessing? How much of my rule following instinct is connected to the rules mostly working in my favor? This story that we have this morning is a story of the subversion of a system and a power structure. It's the kind of subversion, the kind of topsy-turvy upside-downness that Mary will sing about a few generations later when the mighty are cast down from their thrones, and the lowly are lifted up, and the rich are sent away empty-handed, and the poor are given food. It's a song that Mary sings that we find to be so beautiful and so inspiring and so hope-filled and so prolific that we cannot even all agree on a favorite one that we're gonna sing on Christmas Eve, right? We've all got our favorite version of the Magnificat and it's a little bit of a struggle every year to figure out which one we're gonna sing. It's a song we love. It's a song about the story that we just read. That prefigures it by several generations so how was this story liberative for the people who told it first thing i notice is power the second thing i notice when i bring that question to this story is the endurance of god's blessing nothing can stop god's blessing and no one can stop God's blessing. When Jacob, the younger son, takes or steals Esau's blessing, it doesn't actually mean that there's no blessing left for Esau. It's just that Esau's blessing flows through Jacob. Jacob's blessing leads to the point of this all the families and peoples of the earth shall be blessed in you and your offspring. All of the families and peoples of this earth will be blessed in you and through you. Jacob and his father Isaac have not lost their blessing. It hasn't been stolen. It hasn't been taken. Their blessing is still coming their way. It just has a more circuitous journey through Esau. So why would a story like this be liberative to a people that would tell it over and over and pass it down through generations? Because God shows up outside of human structures and systems of power, like patriarchy, which propped up patrilineal transfer of power from father to eldest son. That's how it happens in patriarchy. Well, God's blessing went another route. God's blessing disrupts those rules. There's no direct blessing in this story, no direct blessing of the powerful of Isaac and Esau. Instead, there is a blessing of all through the powerless, through Rebekah and Jacob. I notice power, and I notice the endurance of God's blessing, that nothing can stop God's blessing from ultimately coming to all. And that's the sort of story that actually doesn't make me itchy at all. God's blessing endures. God's blessing shows up outside power structures and subverts them. God's blessing is for all. God's blessing cannot be stopped. God's blessing endures and surprises. Thanks be to God. And Now I invite you to receive these words as a blessing. If you would like to read along, this is the hymn that we will hear Joanne play in just a few moments. It's number 440 in your Voices Together hymnal. And I would ask you to receive these as a blessing, these words. Ask the complicated questions. Do not fear to be found out, for our God makes strong our weakness, forging faith in fires of doubt. Seek the disconcerting answers, follow where the spirit blows. Test competing truths for wisdom, for intention, new life grows. Shores of new ideas, test assumptions long grown stale. For Christ calls from shores of wonder, daring us to try and fail. For in struggle we discover truth, both simple and profound. In the knocking, asking, seeking, we are opened, answered, found. Amen, and may it be so.